Just a warning, this next segment contains some swear words. If this makes you uncomfortable, best just get this one. We're recording now. We're just Hi. Great. Um, I'm Molly. And I'm Jill. Last Friday, we met for the first time to see Aaron Posner's Stupid Fucking Bird by Lightning Jar Theatre Company at Metanoia in Brunswick. Stupid Fucking Bird, directed by Peter Blackburn, is a modernisation of the 19th century melodrama The Seagull, written by Anton Chekhov. I knew nothing about this play beforehand. And I knew a lot. Here's how it went. Office training there, and it was a really nice production. It was a really nice translation. Do you have any expectations? I don't know. I'm pretty like open. I know it's a modern retelling, so I'm a bit like, oh, I don't want to be like those people who are like, it's totally Shakespeare if they wear tights. And I wonder as well if they've kind of Australianized it because the original play is very Russian, obviously Chekhov, right? No, I don't know. So this is the thing. Jill has, in comparison to me, a world of knowledge about what this play is about, and I'm going in blind. I have no idea what this play is about, apart from the fact that I know Steph from Neighbours is in it, which is why I chose to review it in the first place. Puts down my street cred a little bit, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I think it's really good that you haven't seen it before or kind of read that much into it because I think it'll mean that you're going to be really open, have really natural responses and they won't kind of be second-guessed being like, well, it was better than that other version that I saw. Totally, and on the contrary, I think it's really important. When you're seeing something that you like, to try and train yourself to have a more objective lens to what you're seeing. So I think both interpretations are interesting. I find that I am someone who's very easily led, I guess, in terms of interpreting art and how I respond to it and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's kind of nice to be like, let's try and just see how this actually affects me before I, you know, add layers to that. Don't spoil me. Don't don't infect me with your with your preconceived notions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll try not to. So you just bought a program. Oh yeah, so we've got a program. I'm reading it. I'm banned from it. I mean, I think I'm just going to have a precursory read because I think there are sections maybe you could enjoy without ruining the show. So the theatre company consists of like three main people. It's like Hannah Greenwood, Tilly Legg, Dylan Watson. And they say between them they've got 60 collective years of theatre behind them. And I'm like, that's... Stupid Fucking Bird is a play about love, life and all its tantalising disappointments. Dev, played by Dylan Watson, loves Mosh, played by Hannah Claire Greenwood. Mosh is hopelessly and desperately in love with Con, played by Michael Mack, which is unfortunate because Con is enthralled with the whimsical Nina, played by Kate Spiker. Whilst Nina lasts after Trigg, a successful novelist played by Nathan Sapsford, Trigg is in a relationship with Emma, a self-involved mature actress played by Carla Bonner, a.k.a. Steph from Neighbours, who also happens to be Con's mother. Son, played by David Ross Patterson, is Emma's older brother and becomes the external voice of wisdom for the others and for the audience. So it is now interval. What did you think of the first half? I am very enthralled. So the other version I went to see, they kind of just translated the like original like Chekhov version. But I think because the language of it was quite formal, so a lot of the humour was lost. Whereas this is sort of, let's revel in our misery, and it's funny. Yeah. So there's some stuff in there that they've obviously added themselves. The Trump reference was obviously they added themselves. Yeah. And they broke the fourth wall. They were like, let's have a chat with the audience. Quite, quite seriously. Yeah. It's almost, there's an element of it that's like pantomime. Who do you think is strong and who do you think is like a weaker character? Um, or in, in, in this version? Well, in terms of performance, mm. I think they're all really strong. Mm-hmm. I really like that they're digging into... Everyone's insecurities, the whole point is that there's a sense of existentialist dread that they're all suffering. It's very relatable. The the mother, who's the actress, who's the famous actress, she's doing a really wonderful job. Oh my god, that's um, so funny because I was going to say that I thought that Jesus is the weakest. Really? Because I, I do. That's the character. 
Her character is contrived and selfish. But I feel like I should be a little bit more in terrified. Of yeah, her. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm not feeling that. Is that because you're bringing associations with the actors? That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, because I think I've I, never watched Neighbours, so I don't have this like <laughs> happening in my brain. You're very right. It could be. Maybe I'm being more critical on this person because I've seen them before. However, I was unsure, but that's probably because I just quite dislike the character. Mm, but um, Con, I, I thought that that part where mm. where it was like, are you mad at me? Yeah. Kept going on, and I was just like, the audience dissolved, and I was just there with it. Mm. I thought that that was great. Yeah, but I also felt like he's so pathetic. That's his character, you know? though. Yeah, no, no, and that no, but that's good though. So like. He's so sad, but you don't like sit there and pity him. You're also like, pull yourself together. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You can be amazing. Totally. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's just because he's the character you relate with the most? So you find him like the strongest? Hey, don't put that on me. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. No, I, I think in that particular moment, that inner dialogue of like, mm. are you mad at me? And like, I'm trying to be really self aware. But um, it's almost well, like anxiety giving free well, reign. Well, well, that. Yeah. Well, that. Like when, when he says, like, oh, are you mad at me? Are you mad because whenever you're mad at me, I, I make it about myself, so I never give you space to be mad at me. Mm. I, I have a lot of that. That that probably that mm. part is probably something that I mm. relate to. For the staging, they've got this sort of uh, like astroturf, like fake grass mm. set up with these deck chairs. But for a lot of the scenes, they're wearing socks so that they can like dramatically slide on the grass. It's a little bit slapstick. It adds to the funny. Yeah. But also like they're having quite a dramatic scene. Yeah. So they're sort of playing with this humor to balance the heaviness, the content, and also I mean in the in terms of the direction, the staging embraces the like the absurdism of having this sort of existential question. Yeah, totally. So that's our little bell, so we gotta go. Finished and I'm much more harrowed now than I was before, yes. and struck by the just general meaninglessness of existence. But I think I'm okay with it generally. That's all right. I think that's what we want you to think. Yeah. It's just sort of what are we doing? No one knows. The more you accept it, that, it, 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 it doesn't matter. That, the yeah. less it hurts. So, second act thoughts, uh, way, way more full on than the first. Yeah, less laughs. Um, way less laughs. The play took a turn uh, for the dark. But I mean, I feel like everyone had a harder job in the second act because yeah. the first act still had hope and that's what they used to punish you in the second act. And pretty much onwards from there, yeah. right? They just crushed that hope right out of you. Yeah, totally. But I mean, it's kind of the point of the play. I sort of felt like the characters at which we're supposed to portray as the weaker ones like the guy who's talking about the geese. So these characters at the start, we're like, we see them as the weaker ones. And then here walks in Emma and the writer, okay? <laughs> the writer, so, so her current bow. Yeah, so yeah. they walk in and we know instantly when they walk in that these people are powerful. If we're talking about hierarchy, that these guys are the upper. Yeah. And for, for most of that, that doesn't really change. But then our opinion of these weaker characters, and I don't mean weak in terms of their performance, or what they bring to the story. I mean, mm-hmm. like, hierarchy. Yep, sure, yep. They hold it together. Yeah. And they're the ones that we want to turn to in the yeah. end. Yeah, That's the one bigger concept that I came yeah. to amongst many. I think that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the characters who were able to accept change and the disappointment that accompanies change and could adjust to that, in the end, were much better off than those who couldn't. Yep, I'm with you there. What other thoughts? 
What, what things stood out to you? Look, I feel like a lot of the acting was better in the first half, but I feel like the first half was easier to act. Is that, is that because you enjoyed it more? I don't know. I think as well as an audience, you are a bit more resistant. You are more resistant to seeing such incredible displays of human emotion because you don't really experience that much in life, really. We do and we don't like to confront it. Yeah, and we like to put it away. Yeah. And, you know, then when it's on a stage to see and they're, like, going to shove the truth up in your face. It's a bit real. I think it went for too long, the second act. I, yeah, it did stretch I out. I was a getting bit. a pretty yawning. Oh, no, end. no, because it was actually a three act. So they did two acts in the second half. Uh, yeah, so the, the second knowledge. act was the kitchen scene where sort of everything comes to a head and people have to make decisions and people hit on certain people and, you know, stuff happens. And then in the third act is the party of Emma's brother turning 60. Yeah. And he's not doing too good. Yeah. And it's four years later. That's the third act. But I mean, I did feel like the second half stretched on longer, but that's because it had less to break it up. So in the first act, even though you're dealing with some heavy emotions, a lot of people having emotions, you had a lot of comedy relief from that. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, they took a lot of that out. Yeah. And until you were like really desperate for it. And is then that, he comes back. Is that similar to the original version? I feel like in the original version, there is a sense of being distanced from the play because it is a classic play. It's in a translation. There's a sense of formality. It's not as funny. It's not as irreverent. It doesn't break the fourth wall in the same way that this production does. It's much more dramatic. I, I got that feel. Like, like there's all these sort of tragic elements to it like yeah. like, like Nina goes crazy yeah and, but and, I mean and she then, and then doesn't kills himself and, like, what happens in the original though no that's what I'm saying like yeah. the original would be much more tragic uh, in yeah. terms of the way that it's shown far less but, and- yeah, but I feel, I feel like in the original, actually a lot of the action in kind of the second and third act, in terms of tragic action, happens off stage. So in terms of its contemporary, you know, other dramas in that period, it takes a turn away from that melodramatic element of having the heavy drama on stage and the heavy drama is off stage. So, for example, at the end of the first act, when Connie attempts to shoot himself in the head and he misses and he grazes the side of his head. Makes just a graze. Right? But that happens off stage. And then in the third act, when he's like, I'm going to kill myself, he announces that on stage. And then he goes off and he gets the gun and he shoots it on stage. He doesn't shoot it himself, he shoots it in the air. Which is kind of interesting because he's like, as the character on stage, I'm telling you that I die by killing myself. I die by, by shooting myself in the head. But you don't get to see that. So you are still kind of separated from it in that, in a way. But you feel um, like they, they actually showed more. Yeah, there was, yeah, it was less nuanced, okay. I would say. Favorite scene? Probably in the first act when Connie and his uncle and their friend were kind of chatting and he's like, why are you asking me why I want to create art that changes the world? Why are you even asking why that is a thing that I need to do? And he breaks the fourth wall and he has this whole diatribe and that whole section I thought was really good. He really connected with it. I guess it was it was kind of earnest, but it is also like it had the right amount of earnest to slightly jadedness. Not as much as the end of the play because they're fully jaded and they're fully bitter and they're, they're well in the depths of despair. Before that, when there's still this element of hope kind of buoying between the earnestness and being jaded and being bitter, I found that balance really nice. And that whole section, and he's like, he does monologue a bit, but I mean, the other characters get a little bit involved, they respond. I thought that was really clever, I thought it was really nice. What about you? What was your favourite scene? Mine was 
So a scene where everyone's there, Emma and the Ryder have reconciled and they're having sex behind the fridge. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is very much implied there's a lot of leg yeah. and some fake thrusting. And then the other four characters, mm. aside from the uncle, they're basically saying the same monologues mm. as per their sex, but ever so slightly different. It's done in a really, really clever way. It just shows the link between all of the characters and, and, this, and the same struggles that they all kind of go through just in, in different ways. And the great part is that the uncle sort of comes in and looks around and, and he just says, there's a lot of feeling here. And then, it instantly lights <laughs> it up a bit. Yeah, and we all just sort of roll into laughter. Yeah, that was probably my favorite scene. Yeah, I like that as well. Yes. Okay, overall, I had a great time. What about you? I really liked it as well, actually. Definitely recommend it. It is a bit harrowing, but it is funny, and I like that about it. I don't know, I think it's it's, it's clever, it's funny, because I feel like a lot of things that were being said were a lot of the sort of, especially from Connie, were a lot of the millennial suffering. I was about to say that! Yeah, where he's like, they've taken our future, they've taken it away from us, <laughs> and they are the, the baby boomer yeah. type people. And, and we were just like, yes, well, what about, you know, negative Geary? When he was saying that, I was like, yes, well, the housing market, you know? Yeah. I can't pay my rent. All those things that's that we just, hear all the time. The they made it very relevant, very current, even more, I think, than the writer had made it. I think they definitely made adjustments mm. to make it very, very current. Yeah. And and that reference to Trump. Yeah. They just toss that in casually. Yes. Of course. I mean, I think if you're going to make anything semi-political these days, I think it's just that you have to just drop a little Trump bomb. Uh, any last thoughts before we stop this little chat? I think it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah, Stupid Fucking Bird is showing at the Metanoia Theatre on Sydney Road in Brunswick from Wednesday to Sunday until February 26. Tickets are available from www.metanoiatheatre.com.